moments of, uh, of the Holy Spirit accelerating things, pouring himself out and in various places and doing amazing things. And, and we just sort of look at the book of Acts and say, what would it be if it was like Acts take two? Like, let's try this again here in the year 2018. What would it look like? What do we learn from that experience? The idea being that we want to be Christians who live a life of vitality. We want to be people who are are full of life, full of strength, full of the Holy Spirit, doing what he's called us to do, empowered and, and blessed to, to follow him. So that's sort of just what we're looking at big picture in terms of this series. Uh, today what we're going to look at is uh, Acts chapter 2, of course the story of Pentecost. Um, and really more than just, I mean I'm going to read the story of Pentecost, the, that story in the upper room, but uh, more than that, I really want to f- us to look at what was their experience as people uh, reacted to the disciples coming out of the upper room. There's a couple of verses there, uh, verse 12 and 13 in chapter 2, that really unpack uh, people's response to the Holy Spirit. And I think there might be some insight in there for us as we respond uh, to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Here's just a couple of, when you search uh, for art on a various subject uh, to look for building your PowerPoints and things like that. One of, the, one of my favorite things to search for is Pentecost because if you just search that, just Google Pentecost and art, you just get this phenomenal, and do an image search, you just get this phenomenal array of beautiful uh, colors and beautiful art. So there's a mosaic, and here's just another painting, just a couple of samples. And so I'll just put that on the screen while I read uh, this text, and then we'll, uh, then we'll get into uh, those two verses. So look at this, I have to take my glasses off to do this. This is... I'm told I need bifocals, but I don't really believe it. I think that's the devil. Um. Okay. Wow, that's really clear. That's amazing. Okay. So, Lord, help us. We've got to pray. Father, <laughs> we love you. We worship you. Uh, we love your word. Ask that as we read it, you would speak to us. Would you speak past my human frailty and... Um, all of our filters, and would you, as we read the text, do that powerful thing that your Holy Spirit does when the scripture is read and, and cause your word to be seeds in our hearts that grow? Would uh, this encounter with the text be transformative? Would you teach us? Help us, Lord Jesus. Change our lives through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's just read, uh, read this together. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, 
residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Ferga, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. So what an amazing thing. The disciples are gathered in Jerusalem. They've been told to wait there until the Holy Spirit fills them. They're in an upper room. Uh, We imagine the same upper room that they were in for the Last Supper. They're gathered in that home that had been a place of safety and hospitality for them in Jerusalem. And they're, they're praying. They have a little business meeting. They appoint another apostle. They're hanging out. And somewhere in the middle of that swirl of life and prayer and meals and friendship and and concern uh, and excitement about having seen the Lord uh, go up to heaven, all of that swirl in the middle of it somehow uh, coming into the room, and we don't imagine, know really what that was like. I would like to see a really good science fiction uh, producer like, uh, like somebody who does a Star Trek movie. I'd like to see somebody like that, like give us that scene. Like what was that like when they're sitting there praying, and all of a sudden, suddenly, whew, the Holy Spirit comes into place and there's tongues of fire uh, seemingly coming down on them. Like, what did that look like? Uh, there's a mighty rushing wind coming through the place. So you imagine like a tornado in your house, uh, blowing papers everywhere. Like, what was that like? We have no idea. Uh, but something happened to them in that moment. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Somehow they knew they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Those disciples who were there didn't question it. We don't see any questions inside that room about what was happening to them. They knew that it was the Holy Spirit. They knew that it was, it was what Jesus had promised. They had seemed to have a certainty about that. Uh, they begin to speak in other tongues and they spill out onto the streets and spread out around Jerusalem. From this one localized place, right? Imagine they were in a small little house, a little village, a little place, uh, a neighborhood within the city. But somehow in that moment, they spread out enough in the city that they encountered people from all of these different places, from all of these cities all around. Remember in Jerusalem, everybody would have been gathered there for uh, the feast, the, the feast of Pentecost. They would all be there visiting Jerusalem, come together for a week to spend time at the feast, Jesus is a strategist. He poured out his Holy Spirit at a time when so many people were together in the same place and, uh, and able to connect and able to share the experience. And all of these people from all over the world see the disciples coming out of their uh, upper room, somehow spreading out throughout the city, interacting with them, and all of a sudden they're speaking in tongues, but not just speaking in tongues like uh, we imagine or we've experienced in terms of our uh, spiritual gifts experience, but speaking in tongues in a way that as they were speaking, uh, their words were intelligible in multiple languages. So they're declaring the wonders and the glory of God, and people from all over the world are understanding it in their own language. Talk about God being a publicist. Like, talk about, in that time and space, God being a guy who wants to get the word out. 
right? Like he gets the word out. And so they come out and they're having this amazing experience. But it's, uh, it's I mean, there's so much to unpack there. We've done that other years. But uh, this year, I just want us to look at the response of the people. Let me just read this again. Again, the apostles are coming out here declaring the glories of God. Everybody's hearing it in their own language. Uh, and it says this, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. And I just want to unpack the elements there. Uh, people were amazed. What does that mean? They were perplexed. What does that mean? They asked one another. They interacted one with one another. What does that mean? Um, however, some made fun of them. What was that like? Uh, some said they've had too much wine. They dismissed them. So let's just unpack these. And I'm going to start actually in verse 13 so we can end on the positive, just purely arbitrary preacher choice. So... But we're going to start, we'll do it backwards, we'll do verse 13 first. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. That first word uh, there, um, made fun of them, is like mockery. Like it's not just, the, have you ever like sort of made fun of somebody a little bit in your heart? Like, you ever made fun of like a guy who looks funny in his car? Like just some guy who's driving, have you ever made fun of anybody driving a PT Cruiser? Right? Like, I mean, hope none of you own PT Cruisers. Maybe you do. But, but that's just a car that you can inherently make fun of, right? Because it's, it's a PT Cruiser. And they were funny when they first came out. So does anybody promise me, or is anybody offended that I mocked your PT Cruiser? So there's, there's a way in which you kind of have a little chuckle in your heart when you see one of those. Or what's that Nis Nissan Cube thing? That's another one of those. Who owns one of those? Yeah, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but, you know, there's just, there's just things that happen in life that you kind of you chuckle at. You kind of have a, have a, oh, man, that's really funny. But then there are things that, that, that you, you've seen and you've experienced. And some of you have experienced this in the schoolyard as children. Uh, some of you have experienced it in the workplace where you've actually felt mocked. Right? Where you've actually felt made fun of in a way that is... Uh, uh, is derision. It's, it's barbed humor is the way that this word uh, is described uh, when you look at definitions in the Greek. Like, like it's not just humor, it's not just a chuckle, but it's a barb. It's something that's designed to go into you and to hurt you, to be a hook that gets in that can't get out. And so that's one of the responses uh, sometimes uh, to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now we've all experienced the Holy Spirit in different ways. Some of us uh, from different backgrounds, some of us from really conservative backgrounds, some of us with Pentecostal and charismatic backgrounds, some of us were through the renewal movement in the late 90s, and some of us for, were part of renewal movements like the Jesus movement in the 70s and other things like that, where there were times when the Holy Spirit was doing things, and there's a certain number of people that will respond to that work of the Holy Spirit, that sense of excitement, that sense of joy, that sense of overflowing of God's power, and there will be something that will rise up in them that will want to mock, that will be wanting to destroy, that will want to put a hook inside that will hurt. And, and, I'll, and, I, and, I, and knowing the size of the room and knowing who we are, there will be some of us at times who have been the mockers, if we're honest, Right? So the question really just out of this word is, how do we want to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit? Uh, we could respond with a critical spirit that just sort of 
is like, I, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with what God's doing. Uh, in fact, I'm so defensive about it and I'm so threatened by it. I'm actually going to make fun of it in a way that is an intention to destroy it and an intention to stop it. And, and there's, there's, there's been instances in my life when, when I've been that guy. And there's something in, in my heart that, that needs to repent, right? If, if you've been that person too, uh, that you've seen the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, seen God doing something, and, and when you first saw it, your, your defensiveness rose up and there was something in you that just wanted to destroy. So we don't want to be the mockers in this story, Right? And if we have been the mockers, maybe, maybe I'll just say a repentance, a prayer of repentance for those of us who, are, <laughs> who have been mockers. And I'm honestly fully saying this, this prayer as somebody who can, I can now think of the jokes that I've made, which I'm not going to repeat. Uh, Lord, for those of us who have mocked your Holy Spirit and the work you've done and the experience of others, um, uh, we, we ask that you would just forgive us. We're, we're sorry. For anything of your work that we've torn down, we're just sorry, Lord. If we've had a critical spirit uh, that's seen the moves of God that have been messy and, and strange and, and we've been so defensive that we've uh, pushed your work away or tried to harm others uh, who are moving in your spirit, Lord, we just, we just repent and we offer that to you and we say we're sorry. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Cool. Um, another, uh, another thing that happened there was they, they said, they just dismissed it quickly and said they've, they've had too much wine. They've just had too much wine. They just took a look at the surface of the behaviors of, of the people, of uh, the disciples coming in, out of the, coming out of the upper room, and they just said, okay, that looks a little bit out of control. I think maybe they've had uh, too much wine and just made a judgment call based on the surface and just dismissed. Have any of us done that? When somebody's been talking about work that the Holy Spirit's done in them. Yeah, we have. We just, we just take a simple explanation. And sometimes it's like massive, like well-thought-out explanations. I remember when we were part of the renewal movement in, uh, in the late 90s, part of a Toronto airport church, which was all full of the good and the bad and the ugly and messes and amazing, beautiful things and miracles and, and a whole big mix. But I remember that there was a, a, a swirl of teaching that was coming out of, a, out of the States led by one particular teacher who was like really, really intentionally uh, trying to take that work of the Spirit and to put it in a box that made it really, really easy for people to, to dismiss. And, and a, a lot of the time we would run into questions from somebody who was dismissing that sense of the work of the Holy Spirit and we had to grapple with it. We had to sort of develop an apologetic for the Holy Spirit. Like theologically, why do we believe that the Holy Spirit moves now? theologically why do we believe that the Holy Spirit wants to touch us and impact us and teach us uh, and heal the sick and and do all of these things uh, so for those of us who have been in that space of man just dismissing it that word is glucose mystéo. that's actually where we get the word glucose it's actually a, a, a pun in the Greek uh, at the end of that little passage where uh, Luke is describing what happened there uh, that phrase uh, actually reads, they are f full of new wine. 
It's not just the word, a word for drunkenness. It's, it's actually a, a sentence. They're filled with new wine. And I can just imagine uh, Luke going, yeah, we know what that wine is, right? Right, Jesus taught us about the wineskins, right? Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit being poured out as wine. So uh, Peter later spins that into something really positive. But when we see the Holy Spirit moving, we, we don't want to be these people either, right? We don't want to be those who just dismiss it. We don't want to be those to, who would say, oh, that's just for charismatics or that's just for Pentecostals and just sort of brush it aside. What we want to do is we want to be the people that uh, Luke mentions first. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? That word amazement is, uh, you know, for us, we, we read it and it's like, wow, that's amazing. Like amazing. Have you ever used Grammarly? And you use amazing to type an email. Grammarly always busts my butt for using the word amazing too much. This word is too frequently used. Uh, Grammarly kicks my butt on the word amazing all the time. Uh, but it is amazing. Like the Holy Spirit is amazing. But unpacking that in the Greek, that, that word uh, extemi, it actually means like to literally remove you from a fixed position and put you out of place. To remove you from a fixed position and put you out of place. To actually challenge your existence in a way that it changes the place where you are. And moves you to another place. The work of the Holy Spirit sometimes does that. Sometimes it comes to us in a way that is, is so clear and so powerful that it, that it reorients your life. And forces you to uh, think differently about the world. It alters your worldview. It changes your idea of, of who God is. Like, uh, so many of you have heard me tell my story of, of, of a first encounter with the Holy Spirit growing up as a Baptist kid in an amazing, healthy, wonderful Baptist church that's still thriving today. Uh, it's my background, and I really appreciate those people. I really appreciate that place, and the pastor of that church is still a, a beloved mentor. But I remember in that, in that place, uh, you know, 16 years old, uh, having this encounter with the Holy Spirit where God just came in my room and spoke to me and called me to ministry. And, and up until that point, I actually didn't know really, uh, other than feeling uh, a warmth in the heart and a sense of acceptance from God that came with salvation, I didn't actually, I, it had never occurred to me that God could speak to me. It had never occurred to me that God would actually uh, give me an instruction, would actually call me, that the Holy Spirit would actually move me to do something. And that radically changed my worldview. As I've described before, all of a sudden, God wasn't just the God who uh, I sang about from the hymnal or, or read about in the Bible. He wasn't the God who uh, was at church on Sunday mornings. All of a sudden, he was God who came in my room and talked to me and said, minister to my people, and called me to ministry. And that radically changed my worldview. It, it put me out of place. It took me from one place to another place, where when I began to read the scriptures later on, I'm saying, okay, let me read this again. Uh, I'm reading through 1 Corinthians, and Paul says, I speak in tongues. I, I wish that I'd had this. Uh, I wish that you would all speak in tongues. And I'm like, well, if, if tongues is real, then give me the gift of tongues, Lord. All of a sudden, I'm reading the scriptures, and it's a possibility. It just radically changed my worldview. It moved me from one place to the another. To another. So we want to respond to the moving of the Holy Spirit 
uh, by allowing ourselves to be moved. Uh, to, to unpack just a little bit more of that definition, to be put out of place beside oneself, showing someone as flabbergasted, completely stupefied, at a total loss to explain or account for something, overwhelmed, astonished, and amazed. I've been stupefied. Does anybody else want to get stupefied? Like, not stupid. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But, but, but like, like, bake your noodle. Don't you want God to, like, bake your noodle? Is, is, is he who knows everything, who created the whole world, understands everything about who, who, how it works, is he allowed to bake your noodle? He's allowed to bake our noodles, right? He's allowed to, to do it. Uh, perplexed. They were amazed and perplexed. Uh, this, this word means um, f- having found no solution and no way out. This new knowledge of the disciples acting in the way they were acting trapped the viewers. Right? It, it trapped them. Sometimes the power of God, sometimes the gospel coming to us, sometimes the knowledge of what Jesus has done uh, in terms of saving us from our sins, the knowledge of the cross. When we really grapple with and we really understand who Jesus is, that he died for us, that he was resurrected, that he rose into heaven, when we come to grips with those things as historical facts and the science and the investigation and, uh, and the going through our skepticism and, and the expression of faith as we begin to let ourselves believe the story, when we come to grips with the reality of that story of what God has done in history, in space, and in time, it traps us. We are perplexed. We are caught in a place where we have to deal with a new reality. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what Jesus meant when he was saying the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin and guilt. He came to confront our reality and say that isn't real. This is real. You can have a relationship with God. It's a new reality. It's a new life. It's a new way of living and seeing the world. And for us, the work of the Holy Spirit traps us. When you encounter the Holy Spirit for the first time, you can't just act the way you were acting before. You can't go back. You can't go back to a life of religion. You can't go back to a life of just being uh, stuck in, in your old habits. The Holy Spirit longs to move us, longs to move us. It says this, they turned uh, and they asked one another. That was their response. So they were amazed. They were put out of place. They were trapped by a new reality. And so they turned to one another. Allos, pros allos, means other to other. They were perplexed other to other. They were perplexed and they went one to the other. And they said, what are we going to do with this thing? Right? 
uh, that word uh, looking for meaning, that what does this mean, that phrase there in the Greek is this. Uh, just, just a literal uh, translation. What wishes we this to be? That's just the direct transliteration of the Greek. What wishes we this to be? Like, isn't that a good question for the Holy Spirit? Like, our reality is changed. Our noodle's been baked. Like, God is outside the box. He's not doing that stuff that we expected him to be. Like, guys, one to another, like, we're hanging out here. Like, what wishes we this to be? Like, unpack that for a minute. That wish really is a word that's used for desire in the scriptures. It's used for desire in, uh, in terms of God's desire. So it's really consistently used in the Greek text all through the New Tis Testament. It's like, what do we want this to be to us? Like our reality has changed, but what do we, what do we want? How do we want to integrate this into our lives? They began to have a discussion about it. They began to have a conversation about it. Like, what, what is this to be? And that word be is about, is really like one of those big to be bees, like existence be. How, how do we want this Holy Spirit to be in our lives? What are we going to do with this? And I think that's the question that God wants to confront some of us with this morning. We know about the moving of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've experienced it. Uh, we've seen uh, miracles. Uh, we've seen legs grow. Let me see, like, like literally, like we've seen people with one leg shorter than the other and we've prayed for them and seen their leg grow. Like real deal. So the Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. The, the Holy Spirit is healing the sick, not nearly as much as we'd like not nearly as much consistency as we'd like to see. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us through the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is moving among us, and we've seen moments and waves and times in history where there's been an acceleration or there's been uh, an increase in intensity, like the renewal in the, in the late 90s and, and other places and other times. The question is about the Holy Spirit, though, in your personal life. Do you want it to be the crazy uncle that you hope doesn't show up at your family reunion? Is that who you want him to be? Or do you want him to be invited into the very center of family life? Do you want him to be front and center in your life? Do you want to be empowered like the apostles were empowered? How many of us are just, you know, we, we still wrestle with so many fears. Uh, there's, a, there's a real struggle that we have. As, even as a church, right, we see the Holy Spirit move on Sunday mornings. We see him uh, doing amazing things uh, among us. But we aren't seeing what I think we want to see in terms of an outpouring to the streets as much as we'd like. I mean, we see amazing things. We see uh, people caring for the poor, and we see... Uh, people loving uh, those in need in our community. This church uh, does reach out, but it's not all that we want to see. How about some healings in the local coffee shop? That'd be okay. 
Dane, would that be okay with you? Yeah? You, you in on that? Yeah? Dane's in on that one. Right? Like, 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 let's see it. Let's see it pour out. But the question that has to be answered for us is, what wishes we this to be? Because he, he, he will let you kind of put them in a box a little bit. But we could try, Jim. We could try. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So let's just pray about that for a moment, and then I'm going to just touch one other piece of this text. Lord, we um, have experienced your spirit. We know that you're calling us. We have lots of questions to wrestle with. There's, there's, for some of us, lots of good theological questions to wrestle with around this. To say this is asking questions is so much better place than uh, mockery and dismissal. So if you're speaking to us, Holy Spirit, we just say we want to wrestle. We want to wrestle in conversationship and relationship with one another, in home churches, uh, with our friends, around the barbecue, at the coffee shop. We want to wrestle with this question. Holy Spirit, where do you want to go in our lives? And where do you want to take us? And I asked it as our hearts ask this question. That we would just respond, Holy Spirit, take us wherever you're going. Take your place in our lives. We're not after a certain religious subculture or uh, recovering an old move of the Spirit. That's not what we're about. But we, we are about hearing your voice and responding to you. Would we be people who respond to the Holy Spirit? Send us out empowered. Send us out like you did with the disciples, able to share your glories in language that others understand. You're so passionate about getting your story out. Lord, would we not restrict you Use us, Lord. In Acts uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 12 and 13, it says this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven. This is Peter's response to this situation, to the mockery, to the questions, to the crowd. He stood, stands up with the eleven. He raises his voice, and he addresses the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, 
let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And wouldn't it be great if like every Sunday morning sermon could start with that phrase? <laughs> and what I just love here in Peter is, and uh, we're going to unpack this in a couple of weeks, is he just so systematically and carefully and thoughtfully addresses the questions that people have. And basically, his response to the outflowing of the Holy Spirit is to preach a gospel sermon that 3,000 people come to faith at the end of. The work, the moving of the Holy Spirit always leads to the proclamation of the gospel. That's where he's going with it. And so we just have to grow in this people. We have to grow in this response to the Holy Spirit and know that that response is designed to push us out to share the love of God with people who need to hear it. Let's stand. I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. I know he's obviously present everywhere. But let's just ask the Holy Spirit to just come and work in us. Holy Spirit, we, we do. We just want to be responsive to you. Would you let us respond to the inklings, the nudges, the hints that you want to move through us everywhere we go? In our workplaces, in the coffee shops, just let us not be afraid to respond to you. We know you want to get your story out. We live in a climate, in a culture that is in some ways hostile to Christianity. But you're not afraid of that. We're the ones who are afraid of that. Would you let us winsomely and kindly and, and wisely, as Peter did, uh, unpack your story for the people around us? Not our story, not an apologetic for our church, but uh, help us to be people who just know how to share your story in language that others understand with our actions and with our words. Let the gospel uh, flow through us. Any ways in which we've mocked and dismissed you and, and blocked you, Lord, we just, we were so sorry. We don't even know all the times we've done that, Lord. Would you just come and convict us and speak to us? set us free to move in your Holy Spirit.